Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. 133 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. We'll get to some more of your texts on the Ashley Pine Floors text line at about 148, 149. Do you want to tell you Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more? Royal Pizza has been Edmonton-owned and operated for over 50 years. It's old-school, big-boy pizza. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options uh, for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, which include eight dine-in spots. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. We're going to welcome back to the show Hart Levine who uh, runs Puckpedia. And uh, Hart, welcome back to the show. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just to confirm, it is Levine and not Levine. Correct? Correct. All right. There we go. Uh, I, I, I Just maybe if you could, and I know that there's a lot of media guys around the country that follow you uh, because you provide great information on contracts and, and how the CBA works, but maybe explain to our listeners what exactly Puckpedia is. Uh, great. So Puckpedia is the ultimate source for hockey fans and professionals. So it's got all the contract information you'd want, so all the contract details, signing bonuses, cap hits, um, but it also shows who the agents are. So Puckpedia is the, the only place to find the agent leaderboard showing all the agents ranked by the total contract that they have under management, and under each agent you can see uh, who all their clients are, and you can compare them. Um, and also we have uh, both basic and advanced stats, injury news, uh, latest information. Um, there's a whole bunch of interesting information as well as the cap, ask the capologist section where people can ask their CBA or salary cap questions um, and they get some responses either privately or posted on the site for others to, to see the same information. Yeah, just in the last uh, month, we've had Jerry Johansson on from the Sports Corporation, who, according to your guys' numbers, has $452 million worth of contracts for his respective clients, including Carey Price leading the way. Uh, we had Rick Vallette from Octagon on the show. We had Jeff Jackson, Connor McDavid. Uh, agent uh, on the show. Jeff Jackson is with Wasserman, and they have uh, merged uh, with Marcus Lato's firm. Marcus Lato actually carried a bigger book um, than uh, there. I think Marcus Lato was around 250 million bucks, but Acme is now part of Wasserman. And we also had Elaine Wan, who's based in St. Louis, a Harvard guy, played a bit with, just missed playing with Pete Shirelli, but they certainly know each other. And uh, Elaine's got guys like Ben Bishop. So we, we reached out to talk to, just to get a perspective from some of the agents. And I know that these guys use your site as a source as well. So I think that speaks volumes. Uh, what is your, you know, you got a, Alan Walsh and you're obviously in contact with all these different uh, players in the agency world when a guy like alan walsh basically comes out and says he thinks it's a pretty good cba um i think and and you're always going to you know argue about certain things hard but given the fact that alan's one of the more assertive guys on twitter and he liked the deal 
Do you think that's a reflection that it is a fair deal for both the NHL and the NHLPA? How would you interpret things? Yeah, I would interpret that it, there were definitely some gives from both sides. Um, you know, if you look at the history of the last few CBAs, it seemed like the players sort of gave more and more with each um, next CBA. This one, I, I wouldn't say they gave any more than the owners. There's definitely some pros and cons. Like, I, I find it interesting that the players did a salary deferral, uh, basically loaning money to the owners for a few years, which you'd think that the owners, uh, you know, might have deeper pockets than the players. So that was definitely a give from the, the players. But I think there was some stuff on the other side. Uh, I think because, you know, dealing with the drop in revenue and how to make the salary cap work and escrow, I think there's probably a bunch of other issues that, in, you know, in normal times might have uh, had more debate and, and some changes too, because really the framework of the CBA and the salary cap rules didn't change much at all. Um, you know, it was really, if you look through the, the whole um, memo that came out, it's mostly on how to deal with the drop in revenues and everything. Um, I do wonder, since this isn't the official CBA, it's just the memo of understanding if they will maybe mutually work through some other changes. Um, I know that there's, personally, I'd love to see some changes to the complicated LTIR and how they, some changes are making the definition of the age uniform. So maybe they'll still come up with some things if they get a little bit more time. But I think the focus was just how do we deal with the revenues and the salary cap. And I think it's, yeah, it's pretty even. All right. We're joined right now by Hart Levine from Puckpedia, Bob Stoffer with you at Order. So you mentioned that MOU, the Memorandum of Understanding. Right now there seems to be a little bit of misunderstanding when it comes to how bonus structure works uh, for players. And perhaps you can, uh, and, and I guess, carry uh, overages as well. Uh, have you been able to, I, I know you've reached out to a few people. Have you been able to find greater, maybe explain what the challenges that exists out there and have you, uh, uh, found any answers or gotten any clarity in that regard? Yeah, it's, it's still clear as mud. Um, so the the challenge is, or the the, the background is, um, everyone. I think a lot of people have heard that perform, performance bonuses that are earned, those can sometimes be a, a penalty for the team for the next year. So the way that works is, a team finishes the year with a cap hit, um, then any bonuses earned get added to that cap hit. You compare that to the salary cap, and if they're that puts them over the cap, then that's a carryover penalty for the next year. And if they're under, then it doesn't matter. So the big challenge with the stoppage of play was how will we figure out what the final team cap hit was? We know what the Oilers cap hit was on March 12th, but the question was, well, how did you get to the end of the season? So the MOU says that you take the roster as of March 12th and you assume that was the roster through the end of the year. So that seems pretty straightforward. But then it says... Uh, also assume that any player that's eligible to be loaned was loaned as of March 13th. Um, so that's where there's still some gray, and I've talked to just a few different teams, and I've got answers from no clue to, uh, I think it's this, but don't quote me on it yet, because we don't have any information other than the, the memo. So for the Oilers in particular, it would make a really big difference. If if the Oilers are able to assume that all the players that could be uh, sent to the minors were on March 13th, there's five guys. That would save them 500000 on their final team cap hit. And because they're so close um, to that cap, when you add in the bonuses um, that were earned, that could make the difference between a carryover bonus uh, penalty or no penalty. So how you interpret that um, could make a big difference. The, so one way would be to assume all players are sent down. The other would be um, only players that 
we're uh, in the minors on what's called clear day, which is basically the trade deadline. Um, just only assume that those players were the ones that were sent down. For the Oilers, that would be no adjustment. And then the majority of the bonuses that have been earned um, will be a carryover. So for the Oilers, they've already uh, have about 700000 in bonuses earned so far. And that will increase if they go uh, if they beat Chicago and officially make the playoffs, and Mike Smith will get another bonus. And the further they go in the playoffs, if Mike Smith is winning games, with his uh, contract structure, he'll keep getting bonuses. So those would all add to the carryover bonus. Yeah, and the players are uh, Gaetan Haas, Connor Yamamoto, Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear, uh, Joe Kim Nygaard. In the case of Haas, as an example, I think it was a plus-minus statistic that he would have collected a bonus on. Um, yeah, uh, my understanding... Pardon me? Yeah, he earned that bonus. So, the, so those play, like he's got that bonus. The question is just, are those going to count yeah. against as, as these part of the carryover or not? So, see, got his two hundred and twelve grand. Yeah, for the plus minus. Yeah, yeah. And see, Hart, the way I sort of my belief is, is unless you're sort of uh, yarded up and down on that clear day, uh, clear day roster, my interpretation was that all five of those guys were it would have been perceived as Oilers for the remainder of the season, and right. so that. that that would mean that the orders would have a likely carryover for next season in the range of minimum seven hundred fifty thousand bucks, and uh, they'd have to fact. Now there is is there also not a provision in the CBA that you can split the overage over the next two seasons? Yeah, there's a one-time uh, provision in this new uh, CBA that any bonus overage from this year can be split 50-50 between next year and the following year. Um, that's a one-time thing, and they have to decide around the draft time. Um, so for the Oilers, um, you know, with the, they have some contracts coming off the books uh, in a couple of years, and their, their cap sheet actually isn't too bad going forward. They might be worth it to split it. Um, a team like Vancouver, for example, they're, they're going to have big bonus overages from uh, Pedersen and Hughes. Um, but they might want to take it, take that whole hit um, next year because those guys are up for big contracts the following year. It might be better to take the medicine in that first year. So that's that's definitely new um, in the CBA, the ability to, to do that um, split over two years. We're joined by Hart Levine, Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers now. Hart has got his own website, Puckpedia. Hart, do you find yourself as you've gone further down this path questioning sort of some of the moves that teams have made? And I know that one of the ones that I got a lot, uh, there's a guy out there, Darcy McLeod, a.k.a. Wood guy, like he was all over me when the Oilers bought out Eric Griba. Like he's like, well, why wouldn't they just farm him the second year? Uh, but do you, do, you, do, you, do you follow kind of trends as to how certain organizations do things? Yeah, definitely. And that Griba one, uh, you know, <laughs> certainly one I scratched my head wondering, you know, you could bury him and have no cap hit um, or buy out that year. And uh, they had a cap hit for, of 300000 for that year and the following year. So that was one of the most peculiar ones. But, yeah, I definitely follow it closely. Um, I found, like, uh, you know, not surprisingly, a team like the Leafs, they seem to have a good understanding on how to utilize cap space and rules. They did some interesting things um, with LTIR. And then at the deadline, you know, it might have been uh, easy to miss but they actually were part of the deal with Leonard going from Chicago through Toronto to Vegas and they 
they retained in that deal 1.1 million of cap hit for them it just cost them some money and it wasn't even that much money um but they were already over the the cap in ltr it didn't matter but they got a draft pick out of that um and so i find that interesting when you see teams um, utilizing cap space to their advantage and trying to turn it into assets and then you see some other teams that you know they make some decisions that again are peculiar like i meant i just brought up vancouver you know i think a long-term planning um approach would be to take that bonus carryover all next year um but if the gm is not sure if he's going to be there in two years you know maybe he does want to split it 50 50 and give himself uh. a little bit more cap space next year so it's interesting to see those kind of approaches all right could you foresee a scenario uh i mean the the maple leafs said stefan robota on uh robota island yeah. uh joffrey lupel uh they wanted him to play till a certain point and then they just shut him down and said hey uh, you're missing uh <laughs> i won't get into the specifics of the injury but they could easily fail him in a physical so he ended up in ltir uh They've got Nathan Horton and David Clarkson that are both ending this year on LTIR that were a combined $10.5 million cap uh, uh, hit. So that bought them $10.5 million in cap, enabled them to go over the cap in real dollars. They still had to pay out, you know, most of these contracts are uh, insured. I'm trying to remember if it was the Clarkson or, or Horton contract. that I think it was Clarkson's. Well, no, which of the two? Horton's contract was not insured. I think so, yeah. So the Leafs paid the full amount for that. So they're using their superior financial position. Um, and that's part of the reason why they, they, they flipped a couple guys around. But usually what happens is the insurance pays about 80% and then the team pays 20 And that don't quote me on the official numbers on that anyhow bottom line here is the Leafs got 10 and a half million coming off in LTIR cap space could you envision a scenario where Toronto goes down this path again and acquires another player uh to to, to sort of inf- give them more like does it make sense at all to do that well um it like in the case of the Leafs it made sense because they were already they already had some of those contracts in um, LTIR and they already knew they were going to be tight so the, actually the worst place to be for LTIR is when you're kind of just hovering you may need a little bit of it you might not that yeah. makes it where you don't get to really maximize the benefit so it made a lot of sense for them this year to load up and just kind of go all the way um, the, the Vegas was sort of the opposite right that's part of why they unloaded that Clarkson contract they were in the space where they might be a little bit um, into LTIR and again that, that creates more challenges so that's why they they gave an asset to get rid of that contract and to be out of it. So the Leafs, though, I mean, unless they have some injuries that happen, um, I don't really see uh, a reason for them. Again, it's certainly better to be under the cap and a smart team like the Leafs. There's lots of things you can do to take a little bit of cap space to start the year and kind of uh, help it grow because the cap space is uh, cumulative, right? And so um, if you save some cap space earlier in the year, it's actually more valuable the the later in the year that you go. So I, I, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily going to just add um, LTIR contracts unless, again, there's some big contract guys that get hurt, you know, over this period or maybe in the short off season or something. Um, then that, there's certainly a team that you can see would change approaches and go for it. But it's interesting in a $81.5 million cap league, the Leafs payroll was like $96 million this last year. So certainly uh, flexing their financial muscle. Uh, I want to ask you about pending UFAs uh, and two in particular. Taylor Hall with Arizona, Alex Petrangelo with St. Louis. Uh, something's got to give for both those guys to sign with those organizations. Somebody else is going to have to get moved out. 
They picked yeah. a bad time to become UFAs, didn't they? Definitely. But, you know, it's interesting. A couple months ago, there was talk, well, maybe they would take a short-term deal to get go back at the market. But I just don't see why you would do that. Like, we, you could see in this memo, at the most, the cap is going to go up a million or two over the next two, three, maybe five years. So, yep. you know, if I'm, if I'm them or their agents, I'm, you know, it's not... It's not the money that you were hoping to get six months ago, but I would still take as long and, and big total contract as you can because I just don't see if you take a one- or two-year deal, now you're older, who knows if you have more injuries, like how you're going to recoup that money. So, you know, Taylor Hall, yeah, he might be looking at, uh, you know, that lower money, maybe the Matt Deshane contract is a comparable now for him, whereas he was looking before at a Skinner or, or someone like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't think the – unless there's just not a space where he's happy to commit long-term and he, he wants to do a, a one-year deal to re-up and maybe find a better landing spot, I, I think if there's a team he wants to go to, I, I would think – I think either of those guys would be best served to sign long-term just knowing that the, the money is going to be tighter. Final question for Hart Levine from Puckpedia. Hart, um, the fact that there was no amnesty buyouts – uh, and that we got a you know a, a flat cap of eighty one point five. Does that reinforce the legitimate financial challenges that are out there for the owners? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, in talking to agents, there, I, um, no one had any hope of an amnesty buyout. I know that was a lot of anyone that any fan of a team with a bad contract thought there'd be one, or was hoping for one, but there seemed to be no hope of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think the fact that the owners got a basically a loan from the players through this salary deferral next year um, says that whether they need the money or they just want the money, they're, they're looking at some losses racking up. And again, if you look at the way this memo is written, there's a lot of um, effort that went into what happens if revenues are really, really down for a couple of years. So, I mean, I really think that the whole strategy is just get through the next year or two, and then hopefully TV ratings are still strong and sign a big TV deal and try to, you know, a big TV deal in, a, in two years would kind of turn things all around, even if the gate isn't back to where they're hoping or or it just has just started to come back. So I think it's about yeah, buying some time, loading, basically bor- the owners borrowing some money from the players, um, and then... And, uh, and then trying to cash in when the TV deal comes, and and hopefully by the time they get towards the end of this new CBA, it's kind of back to where they were hoping. We mentioned Hall with Arizona, Petrangelo with St. Louis. Those organizations are both at $79 million already uh, committed for next season, so they don't have a lot of flexibility to get to 81.5, and the fact that 81.5 is the number and there's not going to be the growth in the league, then a final question I have for your heart, does that even favor Seattle more? than what Vegas was going through, that because teams are going to have less cap flexibility. Um, you know, George McPhee took some teams to the woodshed. He hammered Chuck Fletcher in the Minnesota deal. Chuck would have been better off just losing a defenseman. Uh, the Florida Panthers <laughs> traded away two guys that ended up in their top six for a very good team for the last, uh, what, three seasons. So what do you think? Is Seattle actually better poised than Vegas because of the flat cap? Well, yeah, certainly there, you would, you can see that point of view, but I would think though on Vegas' side, like they knew that they could take bad contracts that were shorter term, um, because the cap was going to keep going up over in future years. I, if I'm Seattle, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, I could maybe take some bad contracts with a year left, but 
can I take that contract with two or three years left because we know this cap isn't going up and I'm not going to have much space. So I think that's going that, to, that will put some pressure on Seattle as well. Um, I think, you know, we talked about the, the, these big UFAs, they're going to get a little bit less money than is, is expected. I still think that top players are going to get the top dollar. It's the middle players that are going to get squeezed. Like I, I think we're going to see even more players between the minimum and kind of one and a half million, maybe two million, and then you know the kind of the the, the top end players, you know, six million and up. I, I think there's going to really be no middle class left. And so um, a team like Seattle, I think they'll have to make a decision: do we take some um, high priced guys in that top top tier, and that might really limit them for the next year or two or maybe they will pick up some of those kind of middle class contracts which most teams won't be able to afford anymore and get some pretty good players that are maybe a million or two overpaid for for a couple years that other teams just can't afford as those players are getting squeezed out hurt you did a great job explaining things thanks for your time thanks for having me you bet that's hart levine the website puckpedia 153 in Edmonton. Uh, interesting stuff. We're going to wrap up the show here over the course of the next couple of minutes. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Again, you can text us at any time, 780-496-0063. But we are going to go into this day in Oilers history. And Brendan Escott had to dig for this one. Yeah, he really did. Na- 1995, uh, legendary Oilers goaltender Grant Fear uh, signs as a free agent with the St. Louis Blues. The four-time Stanley Cup champion had stops in Toronto. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Buffalo and Los Angeles before signing with the Blues, where he'd spend four seasons from 1995 through 99. All right, uh, let's get to some text because I promise you uh, that we do some text. Bob, uh, if he stays with the Oilers, how much of a haircut do you see Mike Green taking? Uh, I don't see him getting. I mean, maybe two million. What was he making before? Two and a half, three. So yeah, I, I think at this stage in his career. Um, uh, that maybe two million bucks might be the price point. Oil man Mike has texted the show to say, Bob, what has happened to the James Neal for Milan Lucic trade? Do the Oilers have to surrender the third round pick or not? Well, I mean, the regular season scoring's over. So in my mind, the Oilers shouldn't have to surrender anything because the conditions of the deal were not met in order for Edmonton to have to give up the third round pick. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Excuse me. This text comes in. Bob, the term not fit to play will only make the media and the fans speculate, and that will take away a lot of attention from the game itself, which is unfortunate and shouldn't happen. Uh, okay, well, thank you, Oilers GM. And there is that. Uh, he also uh, wanted to add the Cinderella team will be our team, our city, our cup. I'm so excited for the Oilers to get back at it and make a deep run. McDavid, with a few months of training, will be extra motivated, especially now that he was left off the ballot for... Um, the Ted Lindsay Award. That one comes to us from Waters Gym. Well, all I'm going to tell you is they looked fast today, okay? They looked really fast. 
and they weren't that fast in the fall. And I, I'm sure that's not lost on the coaches either. If, uh, if a guy can sit there and watch uh, 20 minutes of practice, 25 minutes of practice, and watch two untrue drills uh, up the ice and watching the D get challenged and pushed back, and it was uh, it's going to be exciting. It's a different team. It's a different team. I mean, Athanasio's a wild card. Ennis is a quick, shifty player. Yamamoto's made impact uh, and a real good fit with Dreisaitl. Nygaard, uh, if Athanasio doesn't claim a spot, Nygaard's going to push his way up. they got a lot of speed in the wings now. And, uh, you know, the Oilers got too slow in the summer of 17, and they've addressed some of that right now. It's going to be exciting to watch. All right, here we go. Uh, oh, this one text comes to us from John regarding Hart Levine's uh, appearance on the show. Man, that guy is sharp. You got to get him on more often. That one comes to us from John. I thought he did a great job. I was, John, I w- I'm with you. I was quite impressed. Uh, here we go. What do we got coming up tonight on Inside Sports with uh, Reed Wilkins? Hang on, I just have the text message up here. Uh, okay, sorry to do that to you. <laughs> Dry sidle comments and other voices from day two of Oilers training camp. Also, former Eskimos defensive tackle Eddie Steele on whether a six-game season would be worth it for CFL players. Okay. Uh, did Eddie Steele play for the Manitoba Bisons? I'm thinking he did. Uh, tomorrow, from the NHL Network, Brian Lawton and David Staples from the Cult of Hockey, John Shannon, and we'll have some audio as well uh, uh, from uh, the likes of Leon Dreisettle, who today was named a Ted Lindsay finalist. Global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell is up next, followed by the 6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jayla and I. Have a terrific Tuesday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.